This edition of Speaking Out with Jim Watkins is brought to you by FlatFeeForMeds.com. That's right. Lower prescriptions now with FlatFeeForMeds.com. Sign up and save. Back to Work Monday. Hope you're doing all right. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Jim Watkins, I'm the host. The program is called Speaking Out. We speak out. We try to hold people accountable because, frankly, that's the only thing that free speech is designed to do, to be most effective. Uh, When you see injustice, you say something about it. We are on the brink of possibly, you know, World War III. We have to acknowledge that we have all these conflicts going on in the world. And for whatever reason, the Democrats have a whole different focus. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was on, and I couldn't, I wanted to watch because I don't see her that much. I'm not a big fan, obviously, but I, I really can't remember the last time I actually watched her. I see clips floating around. Let me see if I can find the. And I, I, uh, I listened. It was about a 10-minute interview with Kristen Walker, who was on Meet the Press. And, you know, they didn't bring up the border once. I thought that was very interesting. They brought up the elections. They brought up Gaza. They spent a lot of time talking about Gaza. They talked about the Israeli conflict. They talked about empowering people. I mean, her whole thing is about activating the youth. I say keep an eye on her. It is not outside the realm of possibility Then maybe not in 28, but perhaps 32, she could run for president. And I see her as a little Maoist. I think she's a Maoist. I think that under the cloak of socialism, and all these socialist policies. See, she's one of these people who believes that the government is the solution. The government is the solution to providing equity across the fruited plains. Why don't we listen to just a little bit? Thank you for having me. Well, we really appreciate your being here. We are going to get to the situation in the Middle East in just a moment, but I do want to ask you about the president's reelection campaign. As you know, in some of these key battleground states, he has some real vulnerabilities. Why do you think he is struggling against former President Donald Trump, someone who's been indicted four times and who's now been slapped with this $83 million civil suit? Boy, you know, they just can't stop, can they? They just can't help themselves, right? They just have to throw out the indictments and everything. It's just a loaded, why couldn't you just say, what do you think of the campaign? And then shut up. Anyway, here's AOC. Well, you know, I think we can take a look at the overall landscape here. Um, it's not just what we're talking about with President Biden, but uh, but former President Trump also has extraordinary vulnerabilities. We saw that in New Hampshire. The fact that he is a former sitting president, head of his party, virtually everyone else has dropped out and endorsed him. And still, as we just saw, Nikki Haley uh, came, you know, she, she cleared about 43% in New Hampshire, bodes uh, very not well uh, for Donald Trump. Okay, so she just said that Trump, though he won by 56%, uh, didn't do well, so he's vulnerable that uh, Nikki Haley defeated him, even though 70% of her votes came from independents, and yet in her view, that was bad news for Trump. So that just sort of sets the stage on how they have a, a, they have a magic lens in their brain that what it does is it inverts everything and comes out exactly opposite, and then they think that's the truth because that's the way they see it through that lens. Anyway, I, I digress. His ability to win a general election when it comes to President Biden, you know, I think we need to really focus and understand that young people are a very strong part of this electorate. We 
we have a diverse coalition in the Democratic Party uh, that has its own concerns, whether it, it is what's happening uh, in Gaza or or any other number of issues. But right now, I think November is going to be about the coalition we can put together and the policy progress we can make between now and then. And do you think President Biden is the strongest person to take on former President Trump, given everything you've just said, Congresswoman? I think what we have right now, what we've seen in New Hampshire, he is virtually the nominee of the party. His turnout in New Hampshire is actually not something to ignore. Uh, we saw from a writing campaign, remember President Biden wasn't even on the ballot in New Hampshire. And, and why was that? Oh yeah, that's right, because he told New Hampshire to go eat snow. That's right, I remember that. Yeah, he decided to curry a favor with Jim Clyburn down there in South Carolina because he wanted to make a statement that, uh, you know, he could just snap his fingers and decide, you know, when each state can have a primary. And uh, so there you go. So, but that doesn't get mentioned. And by the way, I don't think that Biden is going to do that well in South Carolina. I think that they're, I think it is going to be, it will be quite enjoyable actually to watch uh, how far he falls. And it just gets worse every day. His uh, approval rating now is like 31%. And gas prices are going up as the conflicts, uh, the team that has surrounded, and I have to believe that the team is probably a lot of former White House Obama officials. In fact, I know it is. They, they're they on a campaign to push us into World War III. I don't quite understand why, but I think that if they were willing to let a pandemic sort of get out of control a little bit in order to possibly have a major, major influence on the outcome of the 2020 elections, I would not put it past them to engage in as many wars as possible so that we will be distracted by all of them. They'll come up with some, uh, they'll come up with some reason for us to have mail-in balloting once again, and it's really going to put the chill on the American people. And I'm not sure that AOC is directly involved. I think she's just a puppet. I think she's just a puppet. I think that she has backers and donors that have told her they've got her back. She could say or do virtually about everything, and who knows on a local level, who they intimidate, who they extort, who they buy off to get votes for this woman. But this woman, maybe she'll try to take Schumer's seat. Who knows? But mark my words, this woman wants to be the president of the United States of America. He won overwhelmingly uh, with turnout that that even exceeded Obama 2012 turnout when Obama was on the ballot. And so there are quite a few indicators in his strength in New Hampshire. We will see what happens in South Carolina and of course, when we get uh, to important primaries like Michigan. So, but and just to be clear though, do you think the president's the strongest person to take on Mr. Trump? If he is the nominee, it's still an if. Uh, yes, and I mean, especially when we look at this field, uh, we have, you know, Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson, President Biden, uh, I think without question, uh, among that field is the strongest nominee. You know, you have said in the past, it's not just enough for Democrats to talk about what they are running against. You want the president to be talking about what he's running for. Do you think in this very moment, President Biden is doing a good enough job explaining to voters why they should vote for him and not just against former President Trump. 
I think we can certainly do more to be advancing uh, our vision. And I believe that we have a strong vision that we can run on. You know, I think, it, and, and for what it's worth, the president has said, if you give me the House and if you give me the Senate and reelect me to the presidency, we will codify abortion rights and the right to choose in this country. We'll codify reproductive rights. Okay, you heard that, Re- reproductive rights, the right to not produce, that's what that is. And they want to codify the right to not produce, which, again, is that's their campaign. But she's also going to leak into this climate change, which, as you know, is destroying uh, societies across the world. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And that's her vision. And she's going to carry this vision to the, to the end zone. I, I kid you not. And this is why it's, it's important now to understand how dangerous these people are because they don't care about you. They only care about their vision and their vision is concocted by all of these ideas. None of them, which are based on science, transgender, uh, transgenderism is not based on science. Uh, climate change is not based on actual science that shows that carbon has little, if no effect on the atmosphere. In fact, it's, it's a plus life thrives on carbon. It's one of the most abundant elements that keeps us alive. It keeps plants alive. It, it, it improves growth and they want to shut it off. And by the way, they're not going to be able to shut it off because the earth produces 97% of all carbon. Only 3% comes from humans. So even if you completely shut off the spigot, you're still going to have 97% of the problem. And people don't even know this, but that's just because our media doesn't report it. It doesn't tell people. It's easy to live in a matrix when you're limited by or to the information uh, you you have. So you can't really know something unless you have all the facts. And if the media and the government is inhibiting those facts from being revealed, then naturally you're going to believe that, you know, man is causing climate change. You've been taught to believe that because you've only been given a certain set of facts. But, you know, I could talk about this forever, and I usually do. But I'll spare you this time. So all I can say is we're, we're now on the precipice of a war, and we've got a, a guy who doesn't speak very well. But I also want to talk about something else. I uh, went to a movie this weekend called Origin, and my wife and I uh, went to see it. And it's basically a movie that tries to understand and dissect racism. Now, I knew going in it was going to be a very virtuous, virtue-signaling, woke kind of movie. But I decided to get out of my comfort zone, and I actually enjoyed it quite quite a bit. And I, and I wasn't outside of my, because I didn't really know what to expect. But what I'm saying is that I enjoyed the movie in the sense that I got something from it. I thought it was well done. I thought the act, the producer and the actress, Anna DuVernay, did a great job. I think she was absolutely artful in, in all of her choices. There was one dialogue scene that I thought was sort of stereotypical. But she tries to tie together the commonalities. What's the underlying commonality between Nazi Germany, the death of Trayvon Martin, and American slavery? And she comes to the realization that it's a sort of caste system. And the caste system is established when you marginalize a certain people or any group of people. And when you marginalize them enough, they become easily uh, hated. And a good example of this is Nazis. They were marginalized, demonized. Everybody blamed everything on them. They blamed the fact that they lost World War I on the Jews. And so by marginalizing that large population, they could do whatever they want to them without having any kind of an emotional reaction. So the uh, DeVernay says that this is the underlying thread uh, of racism, no matter where it emerges. And she's right. 
there is always a caste system. There's always a group of people in any society that is going to be marginalized. And sadly, I think that's actually happening here in the United States. I think that we are being marginalized. And I'm talking about the conservatives in this country. If you hold opposing views, you are marginalized in this country. Join me online, jimwatkins1.com. 